Nowadays, introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast not PS. Sold in semantic. Special dedication all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWOT semantic. Yeah, man, oh. Boom! Sold in semantic. Yeah, man, Big ups to the man, yeah. Sold in semantic. On another episode of Soothing Semantics, I'm your host, Rafi Pinsky, and today we have a very, very special guest. Um, Dr. Lefkowitz was my professor back in uh, the early days of, of college for me, uh, easily one of my favorite classes. Very kind. I, I thought about being... Very asked. enjoyable in class, also always thought-provoking ideas we brought up. I appreciate that. Psychology always, always gets it, it sparks my curiosity. So... We've we've uh, <clears throat> we recently we recently caught up. I would say about two years ago, and prior to prior to those two years ago, it was a while since the last time we spoke. So I planned on having you on my podcast at a certain point, and I'm glad we we finally got together. How's everything going? I'm good. COVID changes things a lot around, but things are good. Everything's teletherapy and teaching online and running programs online, but. That's what the computers are for. Yeah, right. That's kind of what it's become. Okay, so a couple of topics I wanted to go over with you was the first was the nature and nurture as far as confidence goes. Uh, I've been reading recently and listening to a few uh, videos recently. There's a guy, Patrick Bet-David, he's an entrepreneur, and he was talking about uh, the idea that I'm pretty sure he, he mentioned this that confidence is built within the first eight years. Uh, now that doesn't mean you can't, doesn't mean you it can't be built over, you know, after those eight years, but this is something I've heard. Either it was him or it was someone else who mentioned this. It's not just confidence. A lot of things happen by the time you're seven, maybe eight, you got to get it in that language, music, and a sense of security and self-confidence, very useful. It's called a sensitive period with people. It's not like a critical period like animals. If you miss it, you're screwed. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. But essentially, it is a sense of growth that you can have a very strong foundation, which helps you. And for people that don't have that, <clears throat> how, how can they build that? So for me, real quick, for me, I'm very fortunate. My grandmother raised me, but she instilled a lot of confidence in me when I was younger. That's so great. she was always like, oh, you can do whatever you want. You can do this. You can do that. She was always very supportive. So that helped me tremendously. So I'm very grateful for that. And happy Mother's Day to my grandmother. Love you very, very much. And hopefully she'll see this. Um, well, I'll show it to her regardless. But uh, what, so what are your, what are your feelings? Say for someone who didn't have that. I think it takes a lot more processing for them, introspection, hopefully therapy could help them. But people that lack self-confidence, even basic decisions become very hard for them. They don't even know what type of choice they want to make. They're always asking other people for approval. I've seen some people almost show a a dependent personality disorder. They ask, should they have orange juice or milk for breakfast? Locking the top lock before the bottom lock, bottom lock before the top lock, putting on their right before their left shoe, left shoe before their right. It gets very dizzying. And it's sometimes they have one person they pinpoint it on to do it to. And then they say, well, how do I know that one person is correct? So they have to ask 50 of their friends, which of those things to do. It just sounds very exhausting to me. Can I interject? 
do you think that's because they're not it comes from a lack of, of self-confidence where they're not confident enough that any of their decisions they make on their own will work the way they want it to so they need someone else is that is that kind of where that is a lot of it they don't also feel their own opinion necessarily is worthwhile so other people may have a better answer and if it makes sense to them they'll do that but i have other people that think they have all the answers and have at the same time a superiority and an inferiority complex kind of thing. So self-confidence could be they want to show their hot stuff. But on the other hand, if the other person doesn't see how hot they are, they feel like garbage. So they can have both at the same time. That's very trying for a person. Also, you want to make sure a person doesn't get this inflated ego, but you don't need the person feeling like they're not anything. They have to see they're a person and we try to grow in stages as best as we can. Interesting. So, okay, well, that's a very that's very eye opening. So, what what can somebody do if they're if they really don't have this? So, say somebody grew up in a household, either a single family household or just a household where the either one or both of the parents either didn't care to instill that or just didn't have that themselves. They were also uh, insecure. You know, very. They had low self-esteem as parents and didn't instill that in their children. Now, now say there's a, uh, you know, male or female, they're in their twenties, really just not confident people, but there's this thing inside them that's pushing them to, to get to a certain place. So they have a lot of anxiety. They feel depressed. What can they do to, to really help themselves? First of all, I know a lot of people raised in single parent homes that are very confident. So I can't automatically have that as a blanket statement that they lack confidence. Some of them are awesome and they actually have a role model of the opposite gender many times that guides them. Having a mentor could help you. Definitely gaining some direction, looking at yourself more seriously with insight, whether through a mentor, a therapist, whatever you think can assist you in the process. But it's not hopeless, but it definitely is hard because you're not only questioning everything around you, you're questioning yourself and your own poor choices that you feel you have. Other people make poor choices all the time. And even when they're told that, they might just get angry at people for informing them of that, but they think their, their way of doing things is correct. Interesting. So do you, okay, so now with this kind of ties into where I, what I really want to get to. Okay. I recently, I actually just watched a video on YouTube. I sent you the link. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and it's this boxer, no, he's a kickboxer that got on a podcast. It's, it's this growing podcast. And he basically, he made a very blatant statement, highly controversial statement and said, depression isn't real. Okay. Now, I, I honestly agree with a lot of what he said. I really do. My feeling, and I've been saying this since I was younger. Um, now, I don't understand the, uh, maybe, you know, depression could be something genetic. It could have to do with neurotransmitters, you know, the, the brain. And yeah. Me, uh, nephrine, dop dopamine, different levels of it might be. Yeah. For me, I feel like as much as those things can be a factor, I, I, I feel that with anxiety, this is what, this is just what I feel, obviously. Okay. Anxiety to me just seems like fear and people who have very powerful anxiety, I find that they have a lot of fear and the more you can overcome any given fear in your life, the less anxious you'll feel about that thing. So if you're an anxious driver, huh? 
Absolutely. Uh, what right. do I tell my patients that are anxious all the time? Feel the fear and do it anyway. Okay. So, but there are so many people that, that argue this. I, I know, I know a few anxious people. Now, mm-hmm. No, you don't understand. You get these anxiety attacks. I said, are you afraid of that thing? They all, of course, you know, if it, when I, there's so many things I can give examples of that I was terribly anxious of when I, um, when I first, uh, I'm trying to think I mean, parts of my military experience, very anxious in the beginning. Um, that's one of the things that I've gone over. What military experience? Say again. After a time, if you're in the military in the beginning, you might be anxious, but if you stay with it, I would say a lot of it helps you overcome those fears. Oh, it went away, and I'm, it went away right away. Unless you get traumatized by what you experience, but no, they were very momentary anxieties. They weren't. It didn't cripple me. I went and did them right away. There was nothing. There were no, no experiences that I said, "No, I'm not doing that." I did every single one, but there were certain any normal human would be anxious about them in the beginning if they haven't experienced them. So I said, okay, but I did it and that was it. It was out the window. Now that it's not even a question, I would have no issue doing it anymore. Uh, and that's what I find to be the case. I'm not, I'm really not a very anxious person at all. I never, I think we all feel anxious about certain things, but there are certain people that are highly anxious and there are certain people who are barely anxious at all. And, and the more that you overcome fears in your life, when it does come to something you're new at and you haven't experienced, you say, well, there were 20 things I've been anxious about and I'm not anxious about them anymore. This shouldn't be any different. If I've overcome those things, I can bring that same attitude to this thing or this scenario and I should be able to, to accomplish it the if same way. If you have a healthier foundation of confidence, you can do that. But a lot of people, a lot of people transfer it from one place to another. So when you get rid of one fear, they might have well put it on another fear. They sometimes do that. It's Transferring fears? It's so interesting. It's not automatic that it'll go away. And anxiety is also the fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of not being able to accomplish, fear of being exposed <laughs> for what you're lacking, or fear of being outed, or fear that you really are going to do well, but be perceived that you aren't, or misunderstood or you're judged in a certain way that you think is incorrect. There's so many things that can make people be anxious. And depression does go hand in hand with that. If you feel you're a loser, you're worthless, you're not amount to anything, and other people make you feel that way, it puts, brings about a downward spiral. So then why do, we, why do we support it? Why do we medicate it so heavily? Why, do, why does society say, it's okay, it's fine? How does that help the person? About half of my patients probably take medication, half don't. Medication numbs the pain that they sometimes can do the exercises needed to overcome it. Some people are not comfortable trying to do the exercises to overcome it because the level of anxiety they feel is so debilitating. They say, I'm not going to try to do that. I'm not going to touch that doorknob unless I'm taking some medication for my OCD, then I'll touch the doorknob so I can do it. And they'll do it enough and enough and some of them go off the medicine and get tapered off. And some people say, chuck it, I'm just gonna touch that doorknob, freak out, feel like I'm gonna pass out. And then over time, little by little, it gets better. Not everybody feels they're going to do that. Some people will and some won't. I just have such a, I don't know, I have such a like tough love feeling about it. I, but I can't understand other people. I don't, I don't know what's going on in their heads. I just, 
I don't know, for me, I just feel like it's such a soft kind of, I don't know, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it, to be honest with you. You're a person who wants to confront whatever it is that's in your way and trying to overcome that challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if people sometimes feel they are capable of overcoming the challenge and they're overwhelmed and they need some sort of support, whether emotionally from people or medication. It's a different mindset. Somehow you have that sense of confidence. I don't think that is the majority of people. Okay. So, so first of all, I, I appreciate that. It's, it's nice to hear. You have to realize your situations might have lent itself to that. If someone's in a profession that all the time they're knocked and they see constant knocks from where they are. If they're abused by their workplace, if they're treated harshly by clients, over time, they might burn out, they might end up developing depression that wasn't there in the first place. Mm -hmm. So some people have a situational depression based on their circumstances. Some people seem to have it more innately, more prone to it. And different people navigate through life better than others. Mm-hmm. Some people just talking it out, sometimes a frustrating thing gets them past it, and some don't. Okay. You don't have any situations in your life that ever feel like, oh, I just can't deal with this, that it's frustrating. All the time, but I kind of just say, well, nobody's going to sit there and give me a, no one's going to hand it to me in a silver platter. I also know that from experiences, from tough experiences, whenever I overcome it, it's the most blissful experience. So I'm but like, I have to get that. a stronger that. person to be able to do that. Say again? It's a stronger person that can do that. People have to realize anxiety and fears can be temporary. Mm-hmm. And once you recognize that, say, okay, this is going on now. This might frustration lasts for two or three days, and I'm going to get through it. Then they're able to overcome it. But some people mm-hmm. think I'm always going to be this way. I'm a mess. Nothing will change. And they're caught in this perpetual downward spiral. So you're one of the healthier people, but I have to tell you, that's not necessarily the norm. A lot of people, unfortunately, do get stuck in their emotions. And other people around them are not necessarily the most supportive. If your parents are people that tell you you're going to amount to nothing, if your parents, when you were little, were the type that threw you down the stairs and broke your arm when you were little and you ended up in the hospital, and you were told you were worthless, or you had teachers that treated you that way, or people that were physically or sexually abused. Many times they might be more complacent. I find they are coming in with a little bit more of a challenge to try to work on those things. Sure, it makes a lot of sense. You had a really special grandmother. Yeah, no, I'm very fortunate, man. I'm very fortunate. I'm very happy for you. I think that's great. Yeah, no, that's for sure. By my parents, I feel very lucky. But I don't know if everybody has that luck we have. That's the most, it's really the most important thing. It's just, you know, money wasn't in the picture, but I have realized that that really giving your child the proper support and love, like really lifting them up is more valuable than than money can ever be, you know? And it's great if you can have both, uh, but just not to be able to instill that confidence in your child, it's, it's, it's so dangerous. I have patients from multimillionaires homes that are miserable. I don't always find, yes, money could be a tool to help you in life gain some perspective and help. But if the person has emotional challenges or an abusive situation or has certain other issues, substance abuse, mm-hmm. there are things that they might be challenged with. Well, were you talking about uh, 
self-made millionaires or people or, or you're talking about people that came that come from wealth both self-made millionaires might have the confidence to get there but sometimes they have substance abuse issues or they face challenges emotionally along the way okay. and some people that are born with the money they're handed to them they may not have the skills themselves at all to get it they may not feel good about themselves i think that's a big issue i think a lot of people who have who were given money Mm-hmm. and didn't have to really work for it. They know at the end of the day, no matter what they do, no matter how hard they fall, there's always a backup option. They're never really screwed. There's no worst case scenario. So the problem with that is that they'll never have their back to the wall right. and they never have to really fight for something. So mm-hmm. because they don't have to fight for something, when something comes across their table that's really, really difficult, right. they're like, oh, I can't, that's too. They, don't, why, they think to themselves, why do I have to deal with that? Right. That's too dip. Why even bother? That's just going to, it's, it's going to give me this level of anxiety. I don't want to deal with versus somebody who doesn't have a choice. They have to deal with it. They don't deal with it. They can't pay the bills. They don't deal with it. Their kids are going to be taken away. They don't deal with it. They can die. Whatever the case is. But those things some people- happen too to those people, but you're right. They have more of those challenges that they might feel. I have to do it anyway, even if I don't think I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, some people internally know that people think, Oh, you're a pretty put together guy, or you feel it yourself that you just know that you're liked, you're capable, people see your ability. And some people just have that. Mm-hmm. I think you know it in yourself, which is why you have that confidence. Right. Well, you have it in you. And you don't even need to hear it from other people that it's there. But I think you know other people see it in you as well. Right. It's, it's, an, accurate, it's an accurate assessment for sure. Listen, I like it. I like the, huh? People that don't have that ability, they think they're not capable and other people see in them their lack of capability and securities. They struggle. Yeah, it's tough. I I try to understand it because whenever I have a a friend or somebody that I meet, I I tend to like, I can become close with people pretty easily. It's funny because I find myself a lot less interested in making friends than I, than I was when I was younger. Like when I was, uh, when I was younger, I just wanted to be friends with everybody. And now I still make friends easily, but I don't socialize as much. And it's, all, it's not because I don't like to, it's because it's not what's valuable to me anymore. I want to accomplish things. So I can't, you can't socialize a lot if you want to get things done. Your social life kind of dwindles. And that, that I've accepted and I'm okay with that. Because that most people- waves. At your age, I think that's right. great. But it, it might come back to you and you might want more socialization. And that's okay. Whatever you feel you yeah. need. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I feel like once I've gotten to a decent degree of where I want to be, I, I don't think I'll ever be satisfied, but there will be a moment where I can say, okay, I've, I've definitely done a lot of what I've wanted to do. Then I feel like I might want to socialize more because I said, okay, well, I've, you know, the, monetarily I've gotten to a nice place. So now I have some more free time. I have a nice amount of passive income. I can afford to take that extra time. That's just me. You know, everyone has their own priorities. That's kind of just where I, I stand um, I, I, I lost my train of thought slightly. We were talking about socializing. Um, and confidence. But I think uh, you have it in you, and I think you use that to help you grow as a person. And I think that's what we try in therapy to instill in the person a sense of self, autonomy, growth, confidence. We want to have them to learn themselves Even if something is anxiety-ridden, try it anyway. You're afraid of the water? Go in the water anyway. Sometimes we try to get them to the point, just jump right in. And for some people, small steps. 
-hmm. that's the way life is. Yeah, for sure. Oh, definitely. It's just interesting. I'm, I'm glad you kind of confirmed this because there are some people that would take this very harshly. Oh, I knew what I was going to say before I get to that. I was going to say that I tend to be very, very blunt with my friends. So if I have a friend that's saying, for instance, I'm, I'm not going to say his name, but I was talking to him about this yesterday. He, his fridge, he's renting a spot. His fridge is, is a, has bugs in it. It's just not clean. And there was a hole in the back of the fridge. Supposedly, there's like a hole that bugs are able to get in. So from my perspective, I look at this and I'm like, okay, first of all, plug up the hole, figure a way to plug up the hole, clean the fridge, spray it up, clean it up, done deal, problem solved. That, that's me. It's like, what's, what's it going to take? An hour and a half, maybe? Okay. Now you have a clean fridge. There's no hole, no bucks. Great. But he was like, oh, I can't use my fridge. I have to go shopping outside. And, whatever. and I'm like, dude, this is the simplest, pro like, simplest problem. Or you can, if you have the money and don't mind, just get a new fridge. I, I, don't, I don't see the problem. But like for some people, and for some people, they just, it, for them, it's just, they don't want to deal with it. And it's like, but by not dealing with it, you make it so much harder for yourself, though. That's but what I, I can't, I look at. Help them improve. They didn't make that choice to get the new fridge or just to get it done, right? No, no. So I usually, so I usually am the first person to give it to them over the head in that sense. But there are times where I just don't, I don't just don't want to be that person all the time. And I am, but like, sometimes I just don't, because some people don't, I think this particular person does think that I care. And I think most of my friends do, but I don't, I just don't always want to be that guy. Like sometimes I'm, I want someone else to be that guy. Like you don't there are other people that should be able to do that. Huh? You don't want to be a tyrant always telling them what you're like, Oh, I'm so good. Are you, you're doing this wrong. Look at me. I'm the best. Like, it's like, nah, I, I you know, have somebody else do it, to tell you what needs to be told because there's things that I need to be told. We're all, you know, not a perfect person. So it's like, I, you know, but for me, that kind of scenario is just ridiculous to me. It's such an easily solved complication, you know? But not everyone is you. Everyone has their own challenges in the world. No, I, I just, I get what you're saying. I just, I, I'm just trying to understand how to go about, like, let's say, huh? Most people will feel depression in their lifetime. Many times you'll, you may have two or three depressed episodes. Some people have major depression in their lives and it affects them and they're stunted and they don't go anywhere and they're in a funk. It seems real. You want to call it biological, environmental, but it's something to work through. You don't want to have that way. Functionality is a big part we as psychologists look at. Is the person functioning? Can the person go to work? Can the person go to school? Can the person be in a relationship? Can the person get through day-to-day -day activities? If they're not, there's a problem. I've had people stay in their houses two weeks, not wanting to leave, not going to work. Well, with the pandemic, maybe it works for them. But in general, you see there's a dysfunctionality going on. Interesting. I feel the pandemic for a lot of people was a good thing in the sense where it was able to it comforted them. Oh, now everybody feels like me. Yes. I liked staying home anyway. I don't like doing anything or accomplishing anything anyway. Now everyone's in the same predicament. Now I feel normal. I think, do you think that that was a feeling for a lot of people? I do, but I think social isolation is also a big part of it, especially mm -hmm. with the elderly. 
I think a lot of seniors, they're more prone to the health issues. They don't get to go out. They are more isolated and they're not as computer savvy. Um, and you want to make sure that they're okay. I have a grandfather. Uh, he's turning a hundred. Wow. Wow. He was, he's a hundred today on the Hebrew calendar. It'll be hundred next month. 120 of Israel Hashem, God willing. Thank you. Yes. And I definitely feel it's important. He gets out a little bit. He does things. I think it's hard to just be in a pandemic and be an older person when all your friends are already not here anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in that generation, I think this is social isolation. I'm glad he does get out and family sees him and he's involved. But I think you have to keep an eye on the elderly more so, honestly. So young children and the elderly are the most susceptible, I think, in the pandemic to being hurt. People that are... Older, yes, some people might use it in a way, oh, everyone's not socializing, so I'm not so different than everybody else. Right, That's, that was my feeling. Well, not my personal feeling, but that was my feeling of the scenario. Um, yeah, very interesting. It must be tough for, for older people. Definitely not an easy thing. It's probably hard for them regardless, because you know, if they're in assisted living or an old age home, they're not always being visited by family. You know, it's hard, hard as it is, but when you actually can't see them because there's a fear of death, that becomes very difficult. Yeah, it used to be some of the great centers used to have guests all the time and they were cutting it out at a certain point. At one point, they allowed one guest to a person and at one point, none at all. It was very hard on people who got shut off that way in these, in these various senior residences. Sure. I hear that. Okay. Very, very, very fair. But depression, anxiety, I do think are real. Whether mm -hmm. we create it, whether we're more susceptible to it, there's a biological predisposition. Some people have more than others, but there's definitely there. But I have to tell you, sometimes depression is a very good thing. We have like twice as many negative emotions than positive. Some people, it's a wake up call to improve their life, get off their behind and do something. It's those people who get stuck. So therapy is something we try to promote to assist them or they take medication to do that. Mm -hmm. But when you're stuck, that's really the problem. The person who's never going on a date, the person who doesn't talk to their friends, the person who does not have a job, go to school because they can't be around people. That's when we say there's a red flag. For sure. I... I I like what you said about depression being a wake-up call. Because I think in general, our, our brains try to keep us safe, but they also try to get us to do what we know. We all know we have to do things. Everyone knows. But I think some people, out of fear of what it can bring, whether good or bad, choose to ignore it and, of, and, and at a certain point, after ignoring it long enough, become uh, desensitized to it. And they kind of, they, they, they're so used to getting home after their nine to five, having a, an unhealthy dinner and just sitting on the couch and watching Netflix because it makes them, it comforts them. It helps them ignore whatever else they, they really want to do. So after a while, it becomes normal to them. It's just, well, it's not really a big deal. I have enough money. They start to rationalize. Well, I really would like to be a millionaire or I'd like to be able to have A, B, and C, but it's too difficult. I don't really know how to do it. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't feel confident I can do it. So this is good enough. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe I'll get the opportunity. Maybe at some point I'll, I'll feel the strong enough desire to do it. But at the moment now, I'd rather just watch TV. 
And they don't realize that time is fleeting. Nothing's guaranteed. By prolonging it, you're making it much more difficult for yourself. That scares the shit out of me. I don't know. For me, it's like, I don't, there's a lot of times I don't want to do things, by the way. I would much rather not go to work this week. And I happen to like what I do very much. Uh, you know, I work as a realtor. I enjoy it very much. But it's still, it's, it's a lot of work. You got to call people. I don't like cold. You got to stay in bed and sleep all day, huh? <sighs> no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to sleep. I don't like to stay. I wouldn't want to stay in bed, but I'd want to travel. I'd want to go, go to different countries, see sure. things. Sure. So, so I, I would much rather go to uh, the Philippines this week than go work and, and try to, you know, sell real estate. That's the truth. Okay. I wouldn't be able to, to be in the Philippines for too long. I'd actually want to go back and work. That's just how I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I would probably feel confident traveling the world for a year once I've really, really produced. Like if I've really felt like I deserved it. It's funny where I am now. Bring up the nine to five thing. I don't know so many people even before the pandemic that had a nine to five per se, but with the pandemic, okay. even myself, if someone needs something from you nine at night, they know you're home. So right. they'll get you then. Early in the morning, you worked only some days of the week at a place. They'll call you on a Sunday or a Saturday and find out what's going on. And they'll do that. They'll do that. I things are less. So I feel that things are less. uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Compact and not compact. But you go and saying, is it post to nine to five? Now it's like you know, 1030 to like 12. And then it starts again at two because you're cleaning the floor and you're having some classes I teach are asynchronous, meaning it's just on the computer. They pick it up whenever they want and that's it. The tests are at a set time. They have to take it within that time frame. So some things are in a set schedule, but less structure can do things too in the morning as well. Interesting. So it's good for some and bad for others. That's the reality. I think even for the same people, it's good and bad for going to work. I don't have to travel. I don't have to find parking. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have issues with all my different places. Everything's under one roof. But there's not like a personal touch that you're there fully. But I have to tell you, for some of my patients, getting out and going to the office to see me is a major ordeal that many times they don't feel they have the capacity to do it. If I need to see a patient, I could see them. Mm. A student who's not good about going to school, they just have to turn on their computer. And most of the schools don't care if they show their faces. So they don't even show themselves. So they can be in their pajamas or something and take classes. <laughs> it's hard no, anyways. Families no, who are in crisis, you want to make sure you have someone physically in the house to see what's going on and deal with things. But mm-hmm. for a lot of people, it's easier. I think it- I can cover much more, help more people this way too. If someone needs me on a Friday morning, for example, I don't normally have office hours then, but now it's in my house. Oh, you need my help Friday morning? All right, turn on my computer, get a room in my house, get some sort of corner like I did now, and just grab that corner and, okay, I'll see you. What's going on? Okay. So then, yeah, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, there are definitely pluses to it, no question. I I couldn't work from home, couldn't do it. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, I can do work from home, but I can't primarily be home. You know, if, I, if it's just like right now it's Sunday, I'm home. I can open my computer and, you know, check emails, send, send documents. I'll do that. Right. But day to day, I need to be outside of my place. Just because I I'm used to be that way too. And yes, there are hardships, but I got to tell you, I work with people who are stroke victims and they would never be able to get to my office. Now I could see them and work with them online. 
So in some ways, it's been a godsend, mm-hmm. even though it's a horrible thing that we had to get there this way. And in other ways, yes, it's definitely a little more socially isolating. Women, I think, are better. They get together in groups. They hang out more. Men mm. that I know in general like social isolation. My buddies do not all like to get together together, but they all know I like to get together. So they'll come hang out with me one-on-one. But I'm like, I have no problem getting together with four or five guys together and grabbing by to eat or going to see a movie or something like that. In the pandemic, people are not as so fast to do that. Sometimes they'll maybe come over and watch a movie together. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll just hang out one-on-one. But... I don't know. I think for some people, oh, this way I can just take a nap or stay online or do stuff, surf the web. I have some patients that are like that. They would normally be social, but now they're home all the time. They say, oh, I don't need to go out now. I'm going to spend 12 to 14 hours a day watching Netflix and being on the computer. There are no, there's no question. I have a lot of guys who are somewhat more social, more than me even, and they would prefer to do that now. Wow, And And I think that leads to depression also. If you're watching Netflix 12 to 14 hours a day every day, you're being exposed to this type of information again and again and not being around people. I think that lends itself to depression also. Because it gives you time to get it to, to, because even for people watching it 12 to 14 hours, people who are literally watching Netflix all day long, I don't understand how people do that. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It makes me crazy. I had a patient years ago who used to play video games all the time. His game, if you were playing more than 30 hours straight, something came on to tell you, get off the computer. He thought he was hallucinating. But I think there was something in the program that helped you. (laughs) It's too many hours you're on the program. And I say, how are you on the program? He explained it to me. He had food by hand. He had a place right next to him to go to the bathroom. He took it with him. It was like a whole system. Not normal. He fell asleep at the, at the control. He fell asleep there. <laughs> but there's a lack of functionality. <laughs> if that's your world. And that was pre-pandemic. I really think I get why people do it. It's very comforting. It's also a, a, a virtual reality. It's an alternate, alternate reality. If you're... Uh, I'm not going to kind of be filtered here as I usually am not that much. It, if you have a heavy guy who doesn't really, you know, go out and date and meet women and, and socialize and they don't, none of that makes them feel comfortable. They think this is all very obvious, but they can kind of sit in front of a screen with a controller, with an Xbox controller and make believe that they are a jacked world war, world war two special forces, you know, reconnaissance soldier and just go through these neighborhoods taking people out with a sniper. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just like, that's very enjoyable for some people because they get to feel that that's what they are. And they'd rather sit there and do that for as long as possible because that's a lot easier than actually becoming that person in, act, in real life. So for them, it's like, okay, well, why would I want to leave this game and go take a college class? This is so much more enjoyable. Right. The fantasy is more exciting than the reality. Yep. That's sad. I saw, uh, the, this is, are you familiar with Joe Rogan? You ever heard of him? No. You, you ever, did you ever watch Fear Factor? Yes. Okay. So he, he was the host of Fear Factor. Okay. So he has arguably the biggest podcast in the world. Okay. Um, and he, 
has he had a clip from his podcast that became very popular became this short youtube video this motivational youtube video and he says be the hero of your own movie he said we all have a story that we ideally would want to be able to tell we all have a we all want to be a certain kind of person deep down and he said try to do what it takes to become that person and create that movie you know and i and i and i love that and he really went into detail on you know what he felt about it i feel for some people they don't know how to create that movie they don't know what they need to do they don't feel confident doing it it's very hard, easy much it's easier said than passivity with the movie giving it to you and you don't have to do the effort you creating that yourself is a lot more it could be invigorating but exhausting and also if you don't have those tools to do it you might as well just get it coming to you tv sure. is a passive experience for a lot of people right I think a lot of people like listening to it, but then when, once the video is over, they like, okay, no, now what? <laughs> but for me, it really hit me because it's like I want to look back at my life when I'm an old grandfather and in my rocking chair, and I have my grandchildren on the floor asking me questions. I don't know. I just want to be that grandfather that's able to re really say that I did the things I wanted to do. You know, and that's just for me, kind of what. You know, it happens to be when people are older, they don't. The problem isn't the mistakes or choices they made that didn't work out. They regret what they didn't do. Right. What people are asked when they're in their 80s and 90s. People always say they regret they didn't try this. They regret they didn't try that. So it seems to be you're on the right path in that regard. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it, it's something I've heard so many times and it really resonates with me. You know? Um, well, you always had a nice balance of career and socialization and schooling. So I think that's what people have to try to aspire and navigate through the world to balance out those things. Don't give up one for the other. When work is done, work is done. Make time for family and friends. Family and friends are done. Make time for work. Now with the pandemic, there is a lot of overlap. Well, I, I, to be quite honest, I have a bit of, I, I see it, a, I don't know about differently, but here's my perspective. I think that you should definitely make time for both. But if you really want, say you really are goal-driven with a certain thing, you're going to have to, this is my feeling, you're going to have to give up somewhat of a social life. You know, for instance, take anyone who's been exceptionally successful at anything. They've had to give up a lot of their social life. But not because, forever. Not hmm? forever. Oh, not forever. Oh, definitely not forever. They were less social. But once they're at a point that their career is moving at a good pace. Precisely. They have to try to get back into it. But guys in general, very, maybe very career driven and that's their focus. And the times they socialize is more, they'll play basketball, uh, get a poker game going, um, learn together something, you know, mm -hmm. read, you know, do something more active based rather than just get together and talk. It's a different <laughs> out of the women I talk The ladies about, like to do, like to have, like to converse. Do you find this to be true that, when women get together, they tend to want to talk. And when men get together, they tend to want to do. I think there is that yeah. tendency, yes. Why, why do you think that I is? I find it much more of a breather with women that they want to talk. I'm not going to be told what to do all the time. It's just <laughs> relaxing. I, as a therapist, you're constantly in mode. You're switching between just talking, letting them vomit out whatever they need to, and giving them direction. And uh -huh. some of them tell me, tell me just what to do. But if you tell them what to do, they're going to come up with every reason not to do it and dismiss it too. So you have to know who and what you're dealing with. Many times the people who tell you, just tell me what to do and I'll do it, are not the ones you ever want to tell what to do.
Really? They don't want to hear it because they're just saying, oh, I'll do what you say. But never, I don't, I've never found that to be the case in my experience. And people sometimes just through talking, we come to a decision together and they say, okay, we can try that. So sometimes they're more likely to try that. Huh. People are interesting. Fascinating. Yeah, my go-to is always kind of like trying to solve. That's what's, that's what's tough. That's what's tough. Because sometimes you really just have to listen to somebody. You know, that's, that's interesting. You would think that the person that wanted you to tell them would actually want you to tell them. But once they, once they hear it, once you actually say, okay, well, here it is. They say, oh, you know, actually, I don't know if I want to hear it. <laughs> it's interesting. They want to be listened to and valued for themselves as a person. Even if you don't always agree with them, sometimes they want to be agreed with for sure. Much mm. of the time. But if you show that you value them, that helps. But if they feel you're dismissive of them, that's when the downward spiral occurs. And some people we do in our heads have a ranking system of who we think we value more and who we don't, who we think is capable, who we don't, and who are more dismissive. And some people feel they are the ones that are dismissed often. Mm -hmm. It's a balancing act. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, well, we covered it. We definitely covered a lot of ground, I'd say. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this uh, deeply psychological conversation. <laughs> I definitely did. I, I, always, uh, I always learn a lot from you. I appreciate it. And I so, learned from you a lot as well, you should know. Really? Why do you seem surprised by that? I, don't, I guess it's not, I don't think it's an insecure, it's coming from insecurity. I think it's more of like I'm a younger, I'm just like a much younger person. You can so learn kind from of, younger people too. Sorry? You can learn from younger people too. Yeah, that's true. Like you have direction or driven are very capable and have a sense of self are very much very good teachers. There's always good things I could learn from people that are younger. Appreciate that. You learn from 80 year olds, but you learn from even an eight year old sometimes. For sure. You can learn, well, you can learn honesty from a child. That's for sure. Sometimes go. they just, they, they, there's no, you know, if they say something, they, they mean it. Um, okay. So doc, I appreciate it. Sorry. My pleasure. Anytime if I can be of assistance, you know how to reach me. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. As always, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, like, the each episode leave a comment let me oh you know always uh let me know your thoughts uh, i look forward to having you on at some point in the, in the near future it was really an awesome awesome episode my pleasure i i'm like i said i'm a professor i'm a director of family crisis student and i see patients so if any of those areas are something you want to explore or discuss my pleasure yeah where can people i mean i can i guess if anybody wants to get in contact with you you know they can they can let me know and I'll definitely connect them. Do you do it via? I'm known as the Brooklyn psychologist. I am down as that, but it's very easy to get a hold of me. Okay, great. If anybody wants to, you guys can always leave a comment. You guys can uh, can send an email to soothingsemantics at gmail.com. Yes. Okay. So I will. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself.